disorganized. Oh, we're starting. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie's here. Joining us for the first time is Sarah Levison. Sarah, first off, welcome from Miami. How's everything going? Thank you. Everything's good. Just fresh off the plane from Montreal, so settling back into the warm weather, but doing all good. So let's 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 jump right in. Uh, I I at some point will Frenchie, I'll pull up my my trivia question for you, but and and right. we'll we'll get we'll see if Sarah can can answer it too. But you know, you were on the ground in Montreal. Is it? Yeah, Montreal. It wasn't the most exciting race on TV. Is it? Is was it more fun in person? What's it like being on the ground there? Yeah. So um, Saturday was super wet, cold, rainy, complete opposite weather to Sunday. So I think that that gave us a little bit of excitement on the ground, just because we didn't know if the rain was going to continue or if it was going to clear up. So obviously the quality weather was massively different to the race weather, which already makes it a bit exciting. Um, but also just happened where I sat. I was at um, Grandstand 31, so I was actually at the corner where both Mick and Checo DNF'd, so I got to watch both of those live, which was just ended up being super lucky that that's where I was seated. Um, so sad to watch both of their faces completely shattered, <laughs> especially Mick, like with the whole Haas hopes, both in the top 10, Mick like, Qualing the best he's ever qualified, and then just watching him go and slow and just stop, it was heartbreaking. You know, even him like getting out of the car. There's like a like a porta potty like behind the barrier, and he like hid behind the porta potty away from the grandstand for like a minute to just like let himself decompress. And watching him come out and then wave to the crowd, it was like it was heartbreaking to see that happen. But um, all in all, I mean. Watch, being able to watch those two things on the ground is really exciting. And then even just, you know, having the crowd around yeah. you, obviously when you're watching a Formula One race in person, you miss the analytics, you miss the strategy, you have no idea what tires they're on, you have no idea really what's going on for most of the other parts of the track. But um, just having everyone around you cheering on their drivers and cheering on their favorite people, it's, it's definitely one of, um, it's a very special experience. So... Before we kind of talk about the race and I get to my trivia question, you know, how did you get into motorsports? You know, what's your, your motorsports background that led you kind of all the way up to, you know, grid click and, and everything that you're doing now? Yeah, so I'm actually probably the opposite of 90% of fans. Um, I did not find it through Drive to Survive and I did not watch it as a child. I was kind of in the middle. So I had a friend in college who... Her boyfriend's group of friends were obsessed and they'd come together and watch it every Sunday and she was sick of being the only girl in the room. So she kind of dragged me in, taught me the ropes, you know, showed, again, pre-drive to survive. So showed me like YouTube highlights and tried to explain the drivers to me through like their social handles, which this was uh, 2017, 2017. So it was like right as Liberty Media came in, everything was kind of like wonky. Um, but it was, so she, she just taught me a lot. I was a very casual fan for a while. And then about two years ago, I don't know if either of you know about the app clubhouse, but that clubhouse came yep. out. It was basically like audio chat room around the world. So I ended up joining a formula one room and meeting all of my friends who I call my friends today. So, um, that is where I met Samantha, who is the co-founder of Grid Click. 
Um, and essentially that was born because we saw a lot of women in the rooms, but they weren't coming up to talk on stage. They just weren't comfortable because it's a very male-dominated sport, it's a very male-dominated conversation. So we're like, okay, let's just start an area for women to feel like they are comfortable to come together and talk. That has then kind of grown into what we do now, which is interview women in motorsport, primarily women in motorsport, not just women in motorsport, um, but just to give them a platform to talk about their stories. We, When we were growing up, we didn't see women working in motorsport, so we didn't see that as a career for us. Um, so we decided to kind of change the name of the game and give them a platform to talk about their job. So, We've interviewed women in media, we've interviewed content creators, we're interviewing drivers. So um, at the Miami GP, we were interviewing W Series drivers, which for anyone who's listening doesn't yep. know what that is. It's basically, it's F3, but only women. Um, and this Saturday, it's not a Saturday, this Friday, we're interviewing Samantha Tan, who is a Ferrari Challenge driver. She's recently won Ferrari Challenge. She's a BMW driver. Um, she's like coming up in the space. So um, basically, my casual Sunday activities turned into like a full-fledged passion and I wouldn't change it for the world. I know the feeling. So love it. And we'll put the, uh, the social media links and whatnot in the show notes for you guys to follow along as well. All right. Trivia time. Most pit stops by a winning driver in a single race. One point if you can get the driver, one point if you can get the number of pit stops, and one point if you can get the race. Is this for me? It's for both of you. Typically, this is a stump Frenchie question because Frenchie is like an encyclopedia of everything. So we're, we've. He looks pretty stumped. (laughs) No, I'm thinking of, I'm just thinking right now for a second. You said most pit stops by winning driver? So you think he's stumped, Sarah, and then like he's like, Oh yeah, it was Jim Clark in 1960, and you're like, how the hell did he get that? Yeah, no, this I mean, one it's related. It. You did it. This is 2011 Canada with Jensen Button. Yep, yep. See, I told I told you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how many stops he did. This is you've stumped me for a few weeks now, but did Cody send this one in? Yeah, or someone Cody, else did. Cody sent this one to me. Like five. All right, good. Ago. So finally, I get one that he <laughs> has sent in because he's been stumping me for a while. Um. I don't know. It was like six stops, seven stops. Six. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I told you seriously just pulled that out of your unquestionable area. I have I have a lot of uh, like the space in my brain is taken up by a lot of useless facts. Yeah, that's kind of I think that's why they keep me around. Basically, that is wow, not why we keep incredible. him around, by the way. But he is. And I told you, like the amount uh, the last couple of weeks that we've done trivia, I've been able to stump him for. For the most part, he, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a great question. And he's like, yeah, no, I got that. I wonder if Jensen actually knows that. Because I was I was talking to him in the paddock this weekend, and he seems, like, very subdued about his career. He, like, doesn't really talk about it a lot. So I wonder if I would, I would have loved to have this information about four days ago. So when I go up to him, I can say, did you know will you be, that you are? Will you be in Austin? I don't know yet. Okay. Well, if you are, we'll supply with uh, we'll supply you with trivia if if we can't make it. I'm trying to trying to actually go to this one since I skipped uh, since I skipped Montreal. But let's talk Montreal, Frenchie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start we'll start with you on this this one since it's your uh, home Grand Prix uh, in a fict- totally fictitious way. 
Okay, I was gonna say I've never even been to Montreal. I've been to Toronto and Vancouver, but not Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. It's, okay. I walked on the track when I was there, but I was there in July for my brother's bachelor party, like a month after the race, three years ago, four years ago. So, what'd you think of the race and you know the weekend as a whole? Uh, I'm just glad for Canadians that it's back finally. I mean, that was nice, and it's the I think. I don't know why, but it it has a draw to me that Austin doesn't have. Like, I want to go to the Canadian Grand Prix more than I have a desire to go to at least Austin. I think Vegas is definitely, like, calling for the future because I've never even been to Vegas. But I, I thought it was a pretty good race. I mean, Canada usually tends to be better. We've seen some really good races there when it rains. So I was hoping that the weather was going to stay that way on Sunday. It didn't. And we saw, I mean, it was a decent race. I was hoping that battle would get a little bit closer with Max and Carlos at the end. But, you know, Red Bulls are hard to pass, and they've obviously done a good job getting rid of porpoising. So kudos to them for basically having it kind of up there on the rest of the field. So, Sarah, any weekend thoughts that we didn't talk about a couple minutes ago? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I completely agree with Frenchie's sentiment that Watching that battle at the end was really a nail biter. Everyone wanted, I mean, everyone besides the one Max fan behind <laughs> me, wanted um, Carlos to pass. Like, even my best friend who I was with, her name's Lydia Harper. She's a photographer in that fun space. She's a huge Max fan. And she was even like, okay, I kind of want Carlos to pass him just for the fun of it. Just like see something happen, see something different. So that was definitely um, a little bit frustrating at the end because I think that that would have been good. But I mean, just. Again, it's so hard to really learn the strategy when you're at the GP and there's not a lot of service, so you can't have the F1 app up on your phone. So I was just getting texts from my friends being like, why is Carlos on hards? And I'm like, why the fuck is Carlos? Sorry, I don't know if I can start with Why the fuck is Carlos on hards? And like, just not understanding like where the strategy is coming from, how many times they've picked, even like what lap you're on, you don't even really know. So, um, I think I definitely need to like rewatch it to see like why Ferrari are making the decisions that they are. Because well, that's a constant question. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I don't know if rewatching it will answer. Can you ever me, really answer that question? Strategy hasn't been there. Yeah. So I understand yeah. the at the track difficulties. You know, traveling around for most of the IndyCar races, I end up having to rewatch at least like the the fifteen minute like highlight packages. But I also mm-hmm. am aided by the fact no matter what race I'm at my dad will text me everything that's going on even if i have it right in front of me i know he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna really get call me out on this one when he listens but he will tell me you know pato has 52 seconds of push to pass less and i'm literally standing in front of a board that says how much push like you know lap times push to pass and everything but and yeah. I used to be like, yeah, I, I can see that. Now I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yep. Oh, wow, crazy. Uh, because it's just easier that way. I'm, I am in so much yeah. trouble. I'm never going to be allowed to move back to Pennsylvania uh, if I want to after, after he listens to this. But I guess kind of the let's let's go to the disappointment of the weekend. Kind of in a, in in a hole is McLaren. They qualified pretty well and then had like the worst race ever on sunday some bad strategy a bad pit stop maybe not timing the the double stack right so we'll start with sarah on this one because she she rolled her eyes immensely for those who are only listening to this what are are you a a are you a a mclaren fan or supporter and b 
B, actually, I think I know that question from from Instagram. But B, what did you make of their their at least their Sunday after what was a pretty good Saturday? Um, I think I rolled my eyes because you said something along the lines of with McLaren's poor performance this weekend, and the only thing that I said in my head was, "You mean this season?" Fair. fair. Um, yep. Fair. There was no difference to me this weekend than they have been all season. Um, and honestly, I don't even really consider them in my thoughts much anymore. Like I am a McLaren yeah. fan. Okay. I'm still tier one McLaren fan. I mean, I want everyone to do well, but McLaren has been historically my team, but I think I've just, they've just been a wash this season, just like um, Mercedes has been a wash this season. You know, there's, you just kind of have to chalk it up to like, I don't expect much from them anymore, to put it plainly. So I know it's a little harsh, but so, um, not surprised. Tough love. Yeah. Tough love. That's fair. So with McLaren at 65 points right now in fourth, Alpine is 57, and Alfa Romeo has 51. We can pretty much consider those three the middle tier at this point because Alfa Tauri is 27. They're not catching up. So out of those three, McLaren, Alpine, Alfa Romeo, question for both of you guys. I think I know my answer. Who is the best of the rest after Mercedes? I mean, I still think it's McLaren. I think Botas has been doing really well for Alpha, but uh, Juan Yu just isn't there yet, which is fine. He's a rookie, you know, got to give him time. But um, I, I think not having a good second racer in the car next to Botas is her Alpha. Um, Lando obviously is carrying the team for McLaren, which again, not really a surprise based on Daniel's performance the last few years, especially at McLaren. Um, Alpine, I mean, Alonso, obviously P2 and Quali, which is amazing. And they, that was awesome to see. And then Ocon, again, I, like, I have nothing against Ocon. I just honestly don't think about him that often. So I still, <laughs> Does I anyone? Still I don't know. Yeah. I mean, he does he pretty well, but nice dude. I don't know. I just don't really pay attention to him that much, which is probably yeah. cool, but fine. Um, so I think McLaren's still, still probably the best of the rest for me, at least. She, she must have listened to some of our episodes dumping on Ocon over the last couple of years to to come in with that one because we completely agree on Esteban Ocon. See, I will never fully dump on anyone. That's not my prerogative. I try to be as diplomatic as possible. There are just some people that I like forget sometimes. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I did dump on you pretty harshly the other day, but that's a different story. We'll get we'll, all right. We'll get there. We'll I'll allow Frenchie <laughs> to answer first. I'm going to vote Alpine. I think they're going to be the ones to be the best of the rest if Alonso stops getting penalties because he just keeps doing kind of jackass moves that ruin a solid points position at the end of the race by like we like just doing blatant stuff that I think he's almost goading the stewards <laughs> to be like, look at me. Can, look, I can get away with this. He just is playing games or something. And I, we know he loves to play games because he's so into the mental side of it. But yeah, once he stops doing that, I think they have been the most consistent at least. Whereas, I mean, I guess Lando has been pretty consistent, but it just seems more hit or miss with their car setup at McLaren than with Alpine. Right. So, speaking of Alpine, who was it that said this? Let me let me switch screens here. 
it was somebody who's not on Alpine. So a, a non-Alpine driver, my laptop is not allowing me to switch screens here, said that the you know when when Ocon came on the radio and said Magnussen should get a black and orange flag for his front wing damage that the race control is too easily influenced because within <laughs> not know, this again it it was it was Sarah I know you were there it was within 5 minutes of Ocon saying that all of a sudden Magnussen was being called into pit lane for uh, you know a wing change so do we think mm. the new race director is still too easy, easily influenced by radio messages? Are we, are we starting this again in 2022? I mean, I think that's inherently going to be an issue with human error if you have one person involved in making decisions. You know, if there's one person that has the end-all, be-all voice, there's going to be people who disagree with his decisions. I mean, it still shocks me to this day that I think the FIA rules and regulations are like 5,000 pages long, and yet there's still these things that people can just make decisions whether they like it or not. I don't know. I don't work for the FIA. I'm not going to pretend that I've read all 5,000 pages and I know the backs and front of the regulations, um, but I think you know, the sport is for entertainment, and there's going to be people who agree or disagree no matter what Frenchie I think that the pressure from the teams is just constant and I mean we're not hearing right the full brunt of it that I guess we were last season so to me I think if you just hear something enough then most people are biased to think that it's correct unfortunately especially if you keep just if everyone keeps hounding on it if all if all the you know the majority seems to believe something like oh he deserves a black and orange flag and then we just hear one snippet of it that it's Ocon's radio on tv i mean all the people behind magnuson i'm sure want him pulled in to fix that wing so they can get him out of the way and take that spot and just continue to move up the order so i i think it's just something of everybody piles onto the race director and when somebody piles onto you, I mean, that pressure is hard, really hard to resist. And you have to be a pretty unique type of person, like almost a Bernie Ecclestone type character to just ignore what everyone says and do whatever you want to do. I think that's the first time we've said something about Bernie and not like a super negative tone in quite some time. <laughs> because <laughs> Yeah, we're, we are a little more biased than I think you said you are, Sarah. Yeah. We, uh, we tend to show our biases about, it's, it's a very select few group of people, but we tend to rag on them repeatedly. So we probably don't have many Lance Stroll uh, fans listening to this pod anymore. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to go on too long about this, but I think Lance Stroll is, deserves more than he gets. Deserves more love, deserves more appreciation. His father, what? a piece of shit. But, you know, him himself. Okay. We'll have to have a chat about this off air or something. Maybe convince us. Yeah. Um, Okay. That's, that's fair. I, my, my one question is like, yeah, I think I agree with Frenchie. Definitely the bully mentality in, in F1 took over. (laughs) All right. So the bully mentality is definitely real in, in F1. It's kind of, you know, frustrating, but at the same time, Looking at Magnuson's wing on on the replay, doesn't it didn't? I mean, it was definitely damaged, but I don't think it was 
going to be a, a major issue. I think if it hit another car, it was probably just going to fall off. Then you you know you throw a, a local yellow to remove it. But I just don't think it was that big of a deal that he needed to come in right now. I think he could have easily waited for his pit stop, and the pit stops were about. 10, 13 laps after that, so I don't think it was necessarily imperative to do. But look, yeah, I have to say in person, when when I was seeing Magnuson's car go around the track, you I mean, obviously it's far, but I was you can't notice a thing. So the only reason that we knew that there was an issue was because they were saying it on the commentary. But again, in the commentary in Montreal, it's half in French, half in English. So like you miss a lot of stuff. So we heard that there was an issue with his front wing, but we didn't hear that it was serious enough. And so right. when suddenly he was pulled in, everyone was kind of confused. But again, that's just like stuff that you miss being there alive. Sure. Fair enough. All right. So before we discuss any sort of news and whatnot, I know there's not a ton of news to get to. You mentioned you had an epic Yuki rant that you had gone on a couple of days ago. <laughs> And we're gonna we're gonna put you on the spot. If you want, if if you you can decline, yeah. but you know, I try to be as diplomatic as possible because you know part of my career and my work is based in F one. So you know, I don't want to get on anyone's bad side or ruffle any feathers. But um, what I will say is that for someone who is so incredibly young and coming into the sport and not performing that's normal and that's fine but for someone who is so very young has taken the spot of a lot of other young talent who could take the spot and refuses to work with the team work with his engineers work with his get ready race fans because the ultimate nascar experience is about to hit the airwaves welcome to pit pass nascar the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of nascar racing Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today. Trainers and get better. I dislike that there aren't other people in his shoes that would probably work harder and do better than him and i'll leave it at that that's fair and that i don't like him very much (laughs) okay all right i i mean from that logic it's hard to argue but he has improved this year 
even though he doesn't um, he he has I don't know if it's the team or Gasly or Yuki he looked better early in the season now they both don't look very good right now Gasly especially well Gasly's been doing worse than usual but yeah he's not like horrid he's not horrid Uh, he's he's very just to me he's very disappointing this year yeah but he signed for next year didn't he he did yes that was going to be my next question it's okay uh uh it's you know gasly is going to staying with alpha towery for 2023 so good bad nowhere to go Frenchie, I'll give you first crack at this one. What do you think? I say, yeah, there's pretty much nowhere to go for him in terms of moving up the grid. So you kind of got to stick with what you know, because at least then he knows that the team is working to get better, right? And if he moves to kind of maybe a team that's equal on the grid right now, we could see just a massive swing in their performance moving forward. So I think this is a good move from him. And it, he doesn't lose stock, I don't think, by being at AlphaTauri and performing kind of in the points. So he still, I think, has a chance to get to a top ride, maybe. But is he, I don't know, it feels weird to say he's too old because he's like, what is he? He's like three years younger than me. Yeah, he's like but, 24, isn't he? Yeah, yeah uh, 26. Oh, he's old. Okay. Yeah, so that makes me even older. Um, that makes me but yeah. so it's weird i don't know if he's too old to get a ride now because if you max is what 24 yeah it's it's really odd but i think he'll probably stick around in f1 for a few more years maybe sign another contract with another team after the next time around with alpha tauri and then Maybe he'll go to sports cars. Maybe he'll go to IndyCar and win championships in either one of those. Because he's good enough, but he just hasn't had the chance to show himself in the right equipment. Sarah? Interesting. Um, I mean, I think it was the right decision. I wouldn't have wanted to see him go anywhere else besides RB, but he's obviously not going to RB anytime soon because Checo is just killing it in his position. I thought you said um, Arby's, like the fast food for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> no, no, it took me a second to like realize what you were talking about. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. he's not going to work at Arby's. He's like. the new general manager <laughs> I mean, at Arby's. That would be shocking. That would be shocking. <laughs> um, uh, that would be culture no, shock but... for a Frenchman to go work at an American <laughs> roast beef fast food restaurant. Can you imagine? Um, no, but it's obviously Checo has filled that sweet spot that Red Bull has been looking for for a while. They haven't been able to find that second driver that they're happy with that performs as well as Max, alongside Max. So now that they have that, they're not going to let that go, to my knowledge. But in that, just to go against your point, Frenchie, Checo is signed with Red Bull at what age? So True. Gasly has a lot of time to move up in the ranks. You know, he's even though 26 is quote unquote relatively old compared to the young bucks of the sport, it's still not old in the sport in general. You're seeing Alonso racing in, in his 40s. You're seeing Ricardo and Lewis racing in their mid 30s. So I'm honestly excited to see Gassi's future. Do I think he's going to be a world champion when he's you know also compared with Lando and Charles? 
maybe not, but I mean, all he has is time. I think the worst thing I don't want to see is another Albin situation where he's kind of left out of the pack for a second. Um, so I think it was the right move. I think he's been doing pretty well in the season so far, com you know, considering he's in an Alphatari car. He's been working that car pretty well. Um, so I think it was good. And I'm glad to continue to see him. I don't want him to go anywhere. Fair. I will say that, yes, he he's clearly wasn't going to be going to Red Bull. There's really nowhere else for him to go in general. Yeah. Um, you, know, you don't want him to go to you don't want him to drop down any further because that definitely wouldn't help his career. But I think it's, I think, I think it's fine for a year or two. If a year or two, maybe Checo moves on or something else opens up, who knows, you know, Ricardo, Ricardo could be elsewhere in after 2023. There's a whole number of suitors for him. Lewis could be somewhere else in a couple of years. Vettel could be somewhere else in a couple of years. There's we're kind of like right on the. I know it's very sad. We're right on the border of like some old guys, like Vettel, and I'm saying that sort of sarcastically <laughs> because Vettel is literally a month younger than me or a month older than me. Uh, you know, move out of the sport, and then somebody like Gasly, who's got years of experience in a decent alpha towery car and a little bit of red bull experience he's probably already got thick skin from having to deal with helmet marco and yas verstappen around the paddocks so you know he can deal with maybe a lawrence stroll in the future or something something along those lines so i think it'll work out for him i think like in in the moment when the announcement first came out i was like i wish he was going up the grid somewhere and then you kind of think about it and you're like Oh yeah, there's really nowhere for nowhere for him to go. So, I get it. You know, we are Gasly fans, Frenchie and I. So I always want him to. You know, when when he pulled out that first win, it was probably my favorite F1 race mm -hmm. of of that year. But yeah, news. I think that's everyone's favorite F1 race of that year. That was like that race was so incredible. That one was so amazing. Yeah, that was wonderful. Frenchie, what other news do we have? Do we have anything else? The only other thing, I guess we're gonna we can briefly touch on the big controversy just slightly, yeah. and then we'll get to my one other piece of news. Yeah. So, Yuri Vips um, made a big, I would say, much bigger than an oopsie. Um, he said something really offensive on a Twitch stream and was almost instantly suspended. Right yeah. was the way they phrased it, suspended by Red Bull because he's a mm -hmm. Red Bull Junior driver. Um, I guess we'll see what happens with that, but it's certainly not a good look. And I don't know if you're going to make it to F1, you really have to represent yourself to sponsors yeah. and to the teams who are kind of watching your behavior and you can't do stuff like this. I mean, whether it's in private or not, I mean, if that's something that just happens to slip out of your mouth on a stream, it's probably something you say with regularity. So definitely not something I would imagine any of us approve of or pretty much anyone in the world approves of. Yeah, not good. I will leave that one at that because I'm sure there are other people who are going to say a lot, but it's not, a, not approved, not good, bad move. Mm -hmm. Thank you to Liam Lawson for kind of being like, dude, which probably he should have spoken up even a little bit more than that, but 
I guess in the, you know, in the moment, you know, kind of like Connor Daly a couple of years ago when the whole Kyle Larson thing happened and he was like, Oh boy. Like that's, that's the Lars, uh, that's the Liam Lawson vibe I got yesterday. Cause there were people who were like, Oh, Liam should be suspended too. I'm like, I, I, I you know what? I'm just going to stay out of this. I'm going to stay out of that one. And Yuri Vips, I hope you have learned a valuable lesson and I guess we'll see what happens from that. So the on a more positive note, okay, good. we've got some silly season news. Not really news, but um, Otmar Safnauer has says that, or has said that Piastri will likely be on the grid somewhere in 2023, while um, Yas Capito of Williams had said that he's on the list for drivers under consideration, and Oscar's about to make his F1 debut with Alpine at the FP1 for the French Grand Prix. So where does he land? We were just talking about seats opening up. I mean, he's an Alpine junior driver. I mean, he he's really talked about in terms of being one of the next greats, I would say, like a, I don't know, like a George Russell or a Landos or a Charles. So he's got to end up somewhere, but where will that be? Yeah, I would assume it's going to be like a George Russell Williams for you know a year or two until Alonzo retires whenever that may be and that's that's certainly fine the Williams car is not great but it's better than it has been especially the last couple of years I think it's certainly on the right path and they're putting in investments to make that car half decent so i don't i'm definitely not going to dog on williams in in any capacity so and i think him and, and aldon would be a a really cool young duo as as teammates so i i'd actually be really excited to see williams and i think other than that unless haas does something with mitch with mick schumacher which i hope they don't i don't really see him like i i think williams is kind of like the really the only fit unless like Sarah said only you know unless Alonzo retires now we have also just lost Sarah so we will keep talking for a couple seconds and yeah you know I think Alonzo will definitely retire soon there she is welcome back and <laughs> yeah it's it's uh that I, I saw the little X that your internet was being fun. So I, I, I when it disappeared, I'm like, oh, okay, she'll be back in a second. So, yeah, I, I think that would be a good spot for him. He seems like a really good kid. I He's got a really good track record. So, yeah. But I actually, when I was talking last week with Matt from Missed Apex Podcast, this is going to be our last topic of the day. He brought up an interesting kind of thought, Frenchie. I don't know if you got to go back and listen about Mick Schumacher. So, you know, the story behind Mick has always been year one at a level, he tends to struggle, maybe not do so great. Year two is when he turns it on. Obviously, last year's Haas car was pretty much a Flintstones mobile. It <laughs> really just was probably one of the worst cars of, of all time. This year it's better. He's but he's getting outperformed by Kevin Magnuson, who is you know just a hundred times better of a driver than Nikita Mazepin. So, are we kind of considering 
I know that I just got real harsh there, and I was not intending to when I when I no, no we're all about being harsh to Matt. Yeah, Bennett, yeah, we always have been. So that's fine. Okay, all right, yeah. So <laughs> no regrets with that one. No regrets. So are could could we in a way consider this to be mixed first year and expect some results next year, or are the errors that Mick has made this year too I don't say too damning but too glaring maybe to kind of just pretend last year didn't happen that's a tough one that's like one I almost have to ponder a little bit because I when I heard you guys talking about that I it was interesting to consider because you could almost look at this like a first real season to be competitive at all it's where he feels the pressure to actually produce results. So you could look at last season as almost just getting used to being an F1 and just like puttering around. And I, I've literally pictured like the Flintstone feet coming out of the bottom of the Haas car when you said that. It was, it's pretty funny. It was, someone should make that a meme or something. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of see some logic with that because he, I mean, he's shown flashes, right? The season that we keep getting excited for. And then something happens. So maybe this is his true rookie season and we're just judging him too harshly. And I, I'd like it to be that way because I think everyone wants the legacy driver and just also Mick, you know, take away his famous last name. Seems like a really good person, like a driver that you want to like that. I think, uh, I mean, most people would want to see him succeed. I think the paddock wants to see him succeed pretty much. And it'd be really cool as a story, as just a whole, as everything. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that because it makes me feel good. I'm going to back your uh, your argument there. Thank you. This weekend showed that he does have talent, right? You know, there is something there that he can take a pretty crap car and make something work of it. Um, my thing with Mick is, obviously, as Frenchie said, everyone wants him to succeed, everyone wants him to do well, but it's like, so many eyes and so much spotlight on him to do well that there's so much pressure for him to do well that when he doesn't perform as good as people want him to people are disappointed and they think that he's not good or you know he's not gonna be able to perform but in reality like if this is truly what we're calling his quote-unquote rookie year and he's in a crap car as well there's not much better he could be doing like realistically right he's, he's not gonna be a world champion today in Oscar in his second year in F1. If he is going to get there, then it's going to take a lot of time. And I think because of the last name and because of the history, everyone expects so much of him when realistically, he, he can't even have a conversation with his dad about this. He can't talk to his dad about what he's going through or how to do better. He's truly really on his own here. So I don't know. I have a soft spot for him. Everyone, I, I, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, he's just not good enough and he shouldn't be an F1 when realistically I'm like, he's just like any other rookie in any other crap car. And yeah. at least he's not a TV. You know? <laughs> That's a, you know what? That's a perfect way to end the episode. So Sarah, thank you for joining. We'll be sure to tweet out all of your, you know, website, social media links and whatnot. If there's anything you want, put in the show notes just send me a message let me know thank you very much for for joining us uh we hope to have you again and it's been a lot of fun and everybody have a lovely weekend of racing yeah thank you guys 
Things should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.